Scarecrow, you're, you're, you're made of straw! Ladies and gentlemen, this is an auspicious day. What a day! What a fabulous day! It is, in fact, a red-letter day. Today marks the dawning of a new episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Parker. If at first you don't succeed, keep on sucking till you do succeed. <laughs> and Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Two premier content creators promoting the healthiest brand integrity in the world. Tell them what they've won, Spider. The way I see it, this should be a very dynamite show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Spiel. My name is Chris. With me, as always, is Parker and Alex. And I don't mean to get too political, but the only thing worse than the Orange Man is the Watergate Man. We watch scary stories to tell in the dark, where the central villain is Richard Milhouse Nixon. Uh, what did you guys think of scary stories to tell in the dark? Hey, we'll buddy. get to bad presidents in a bit, don't worry. Let's oh, leave good. the politics out of this, okay, guys? Yeah, Just trying to have fun here. Let's play both sides. You know, satires... Anyway. Uh, Parker, do we have any news? I mean, not movie news, but there's oh, news. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Go ahead, Jeffrey buddy, take Epstein, it away. One of our, one of our former listeners. Uh, uh, you know, taught me it was okay to be weird. <laughs> gonna, <laughs> gonna miss him. <laughs> Do you remember when we opened for him, our first game? Guys, please just go to class tomorrow. It's what he would have wanted. <laughs> just, you know, ask your friends if they're okay. <laughs> you so, never know who's hurting out there. This is basically like our Brett Favre dad game, you know? We <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess you win this one. On to the next segment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so, Jerks of the Week. You guys got any Jerks of the Week? Buddy, do I. Okay, let's do uh, Same as what I just said before. <laughs> Oh fuck! I can't believe you've done this. Because it was it was my turn to have an ordeal going to the theater. Because as you guys know, on Monday it was the triumphant return of spicy nuggets at Wendy's. Uh-oh. <laughs> so naturally, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go see this movie, gonna get some treats, I'm gonna place an order on the app to get an extra six pack for free. Place what? the order. Yeah, buddy, get that Wendy's app, dude. Oh my goodness, I'm downloading it now. Continue. Get points on it for extra treats. Uh, yeah, so so I get there, you know, with my order. They're like looking around. They don't know what I'm talking about. I'm like, guys, like you have my order. I'm li- I can literally pull around and show you on my phone. And then they're like, all right, all right, all right, hold on, let me go check the lobby. And then they come back after I've sat there for over five minutes. Go, oh, we don't have spicy nuggets. Oh my goodness. So I drove to another Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they had? Spicy nuggets. No! <laughs> I had a 50-50 chance. At this point, I was, like, getting to the point where I was going to miss my movie and was contemplating just driving home because I was pissed off, and also I just used A-list for it, so, like, fucking whatever. It doesn't cost me any money. So I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I set out to do this. I'll just go to the theater hungry. I'll get some popcorn. It's fine. I grab my popcorn. Like, as I'm going in, there's, like, these two girls on the phone with their mom, like, complaining about something. I'm not really listening. Like, whatever. It's fine. I go in. I sit down. The last trailer is playing. I'm like, oh, thank God. Made it just in the nick of time. And then those two girls' mom comes running in just screaming at somebody because they told their kids to shut the fuck up. And this (laughs) went on for the first four minutes of the movie. Ooh. (laughs) That's So my jerk of the week is Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, My jerk no. of the week is. So I too got in there just in the nick of time for some trailers. Seeing a horror movie, get your standard horror trailers. Get the It Chapter Two trailer. Still crushes the movie. Oh yeah, looks real fucking. Did you get good. the new one? There's a new one. Out. I sure did. It's, oh, it's good. Oh, it's, yeah, that's a good trailer. And then a movie trailer opens about Pearl Harbor. <laughs> the events of Pearl Harbor, the biggest intelligence failure in U.S. history, asterisk, and our retaliation <laughs> at the Battle of Midway. And we see, you know, all these actors, it's got a decent cast, and then it flashes in big letters, from the director of Independence Day. Oh, oh no. no. I stood up, <laughs> like, in disbelief. They give Roland Emmerich more money to make a World War II movie after every movie he's ever made in his life. So my jerk of the week is the libs and Democrats in Hollyweird. You know, Thanks it's, for it's, nothing. It's really nice of Hollywood to finally give a German their chance to sell, tell the story of World <laughs> War II. I, like I said, from the creator of Independence Day, in my head I'm like, surely he's just a producer. False. <laughs> Absolutely false. I, you know, movies aren't always good, you guys. Uh, okay, so my jerk of the week is Chris Cuomo. It's a little bit obvious, but he compared being called Fredo to the N-word. And uh, that's the dumbest he fucking thing I've heard all week, which will be immediately topped by whatever I hear next week. Uh, I could also next go with to the audio from me. for... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, my real jerk of the week is Parker Claire, who did not send me his audio for the previous episode. Oops. You hate to see it. You do, in fact, hate to see it. If it's not Alex, it's Parker. If it's not Parker, it's Alex. Anyway, not that I would have edited on time, but still. All right, let's... At least we didn't have to say it. Yeah, there. (laughs) Anyway, uh, let's get into our recently watched. I uh, I actually don't have much, which is a... I've, I've been, like, really busy at work, so don't have time to watch garbage while I'm actually doing stuff. Uh, but I did have time to watch Sadako versus Kayako, which... Oh, uh, buddy. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, with the name right there, what's the worst that could happen? It could be like Godzilla versus King Kong, or more likely, Jason versus Freddy. Turns out it's as good as neither one of those movies. Correct. Um, Sadako, for those who don't know, is the demon girl from The Ring. Kayako is a demon girl from The Grudge, and years passed after both those movies' franchises had stalled out. They decided, let's make a movie where we put them together. It's not good. However, what is good is uh, the lead-up to it. Apparently, the marketing for it was actually really funny. Like, they had fake uh, Twitter accounts like, what it's like to be Sayako. It's like, clean your hair is really hard. They both pitched out uh, first pitches for a baseball game, which I think... I did uh, see that. Yeah. That was incredibly good. Yeah, that's that's great. (laughs) Why couldn't the movie have been that? Having the girl from The Ring throw out a first pitch in full makeup is incredibly good. I wish America was this good. so cool. Yeah, it's like, that's actually pretty (laughs) funny. I want to go back. Hopefully they don't detain me this time. Well, <laughs> I'm looking for the ring girl. Uh, no, they, <laughs> it's it's unfortunate because I think if the movie had had like a little bit of self awareness, then it would have been pretty good. But so far, it's trying too hard to be scary. It just doesn't work because Sadako is not very scary. I will admit, it's been a while since I saw The Grudge. You know, like he's that little boy in there whose name I don't really remember. He's like the little boy. His, his skin's kind of like light bluish. When he opens his mouth, you hear a cat's meow come out of there. I wasn't expecting that. That little unexpectedness is just like, what the hell am I watching? So I had to rewind that bit. Anyway, the ending is 
pretty powerful. Almost worth watching just for the ending, because I can safely say I did not see that coming. But overall, I just I can't really give it like a strong recommendation, because again, like trying to add a little bit of humor to this, you know. The if other your movie was, has verses in the name and you take it seriously, yeah, seems like a critical failure on your part for, right. if you're creating it. Yeah, like like Freddy vs. Jason had some jokes. It also had the F word. So. <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, so like I, a Destiny's I Child. I can't believe Freddy said Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, if I put it on the T. All right. Uh, I also watched Open Water One, which I had never seen before. Uh, <laughs> I was close. <laughs> yeah, you were really close. I'm glad you didn't say that. <laughs> uh, Open Water 1 is pretty good. Um, it's it's more about atmosphere than anything else because you barely see the sharks at all. Uh, I have to admit, they handled that situation with a lot more calm and like cool-headedness than I would have. I would have been freaking out from the word go. But they're just like, huh, so, there's no boat here. What do we do? And uh, I, I like that it wasn't very long. Uh, I did not like that it was based on true story because now I feel bad about the people who died. But uh, it's a it's a decent movie. Um, I feel like I feel like at this point I've seen enough shark movies that if me and my buds all went in the water, I would be the no no no. You guys calm down. If you freak out, it's, you're doing what the sharks want you to do, guy. <laughs> Maybe the shark knows more about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, should I see Open Water too? Is that worth uh, watching? Yes, definitely. Yeah, okay, right We're back next week. Yeah. And now... <laughs> and now one of the centers of uh, my movie discussion. And what I know I'm probably going to have to cut out this entire segment. Oh, buddy, uh, let, me, yes. let me sit upright. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to say the Fredo word? <laughs> no, it's worse. Actually, Gabby is it's Italian, what? so... Oh, jeez. So, Gabby, who isn't... I, no, never mind. Yeah, it's a little... <laughs> Uh, I have a friend named Gabby. I work with her. I, my desk is right next to her. And there's a lot of things about Gabby. She hates feet. Uh, she's feet. She's got red hair. A lot of boys like to hit on her. But most importantly, she has a phobia of birds. And this is as opposed to like someone being like afraid of clowns. Like, ooh, sort of thing. Like, no, this is this is a phobia. Like, if a bird like flies down like and within like 50 feet of her, she'll start shaking oh. and freak out. You know? <laughs> She, Bird if you do that to her, she'll like glare at you. She does, is afraid does of she, birds. Is she like like mortally opposed to the bird team guy? Uh, she <laughs> <laughs> she would probably be on. A, on they can't occupy the same space. Yeah. It's like time cop. <laughs> she like she'll be driving her car right, and she'll have like all her windows up, going like fifty miles an hour, and a bird will fly by like twenty feet away, and she will freak out and twist that steering wheel. So it's not fun driving with her. Hey, maybe don't let her drive then. Yeah, so Just anyway, uh, we decided let's make her watch the birds. And we did that. Now, her, her, uh, th- the tragedy of all this is that her trauma was a childhood thing. When she was a little kid, she had a chimney, right? And I think like a sparrow or something got stuck in her chimney, and it was the beating of the wings against the walls of the chimney. Uh, that noise reverberating really freaked her out. There is a scene in The Birds, which it's still a great movie. There's a scene in The Birds where they have a chimney and at least 2,000 sparrows come streaming out of the chimney at, like, light speed. And she was (laughs) screaming hysterically, freaking out. It was so much fun. 
<laughs> why is this <laughs> funny? Why are we just trolling a traumatized person? That's why I thought I I'd have it. to. That's why I thought I'd have to cut it. Now here's the thing. This is not a great defense. Was my only defense. This was her idea to watch it. She was like really like yeah. Everyone come oh, good. over, you know. And we're just like okay. And uh, do you want to come to my house and watch me live out one of my actual nightmares? <laughs> like oh cool. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll bring the mics hard. I, I will say this. Um, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I, I will say this. She actually handled it like way better than I anticipated. Like she was, she was, she was laughing for much of it. Um, we were all laughing. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could get her reaction. To Such it. good friends you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how scared she is. Yeah. Look at her cry. Yeah, no, she actually she was very proud that she didn't cry. Uh, she said she came close towards the uh, climax. She said she had tears in her eyes, but none of them dropped. Um, she, I really wish we could get her on here because it, the way that she describes the birds is really funny. Uh, but there's also like levels of phobia where someone will like actually freak out and have like trouble breathing versus someone like just being really really scared. And uh, luckily, I guess she's on the lower end of that spectrum. But less well, about spectrums and Gabby. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the last one I want to do is I want to open up a new segment, probably only a 210 segment. It's called Band of Brothers May Have Some Oats. Alex, I really <laughs> like this show. <laughs> You're real proud of that one, aren't you? <laughs> no, not really. That's uh, good, though. I, I can't really make a whole lot of jokes about the show. It's just good, you know? It's Yeah, yeah. That, that is the thing. Like, I knew when I assigned it that it wasn't going to be you know primo content or anything but i also knew that you'd enjoy yourself and sometimes that's okay after you've watched 300 horror movies like i've already made the jokes about like oh two of those actors were in Dreamcatcher. oh there's jimmy fallon but it's like uh, that's my thing is that like jimmy fallon's the only one where it sort of takes me out of the experience like even seeing david schwimmer there i i kind of forget that he's david schwimmer because everyone else around him is so good it feels like it's its own thing like, when I see Ron Livingston, the guy from Office Space, I don't think, oh, that's a guy from The Office Space. You know, it's, that's just, uh, that's Nixon there, you know? Not the guy from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. A, yeah, just yeah. about, just about everybody that's in this, like, I've gone so far, like, into seeing this so many times that I now see them as whatever character they are on that show in basically everything. The exception, of course, being Ross, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> he's really good. Let's, I mean, I can't he say is... enough great things about David Schwimmer in this movie. Or he Trump. is so good. <laughs> yeah, I okay. So Parker, I don't know if you remember, he plays the uh, abusive drill sergeant, and he I do is remember that dreadful. Uh, and reminds me of a lot of uh, athletic coaches that I had. But uh, I, I gotta admit, he does a really, really good job. I, I, I'm having such a good time with this. And one of my favorite things about it is that it does what so many war movies try to do, and they'll devote like 20 minutes to it. And this movie will just do in like a second, you know. A scene of someone looking up at the sky, you know, or, or a scene where someone gives someone a particular look or or something like that. They communicate these small themes. And that's the thing is about themes is there's so many different ideas that they try to communicate in here. The idea of bravery and sacrifice, what patriotism actually means and what their experience will be like versus what others will think they're going through. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, uh, Alex, the thing about enlisting? Uh, yeah, you caught me. Yeah, in the meme army? But... <laughs> No, no. If I ever enlist, it's going to be immediately after watching Top Gun. Let's be real. Oh, which oh. is coming up after this. Oh, speaking of memes, they keep saying the word meme in Sadako versus Kayako. They keep saying that the ring is technically a meme. And you know what the Japanese word is for meme? Meme. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. Meme. I guess I'm watching this now. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Glad we come full circle. <laughs> all right.
right, Alex, what did you watch? She just walk up. Hey, honey, hey. Mimu. <laughs> For the next six fucking days. You did this. Uh, <laughs> I hate how that sounds like something I'm going to do now. <laughs> Fuck. The same stupid brain between the two of us. Parker is absolutely <laughs> going to text me about the ending to Sadako versus Kayako. <laughs> I mean, when you tee it up like that, and yeah. you know my brain is just Swiss cheese. Like, come on. Worms okay. can eat too. <laughs> so, and bear in mind, I'm looking directly at Parker as I ask this question. Oh, yes. How the fuck did they get that cast for a Fright Night remake? Right? <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Dude, like, what? It's a good question. <laughs> it makes no it's sense. a very good question. I, so, so to set it up for anybody that's not familiar with this, you've got our main character, Anton Yelchin, his mom, Tony Collette, his best friend, McLovin, <laughs> the school bully, Dave Franco, the vampire that moves in next door, played by Colin Farrell, and Doctor Who doing a Russell Brand impression. It's it is so powerful, dude. It's so this is for like like a shitty remake of a movie that nobody wanted remade. Also, it's... Fright Night low key kind of sucks. I'm sure it was great if you grew up in the '80s, but I did not. No, it definitely yeah. sucks. It's okay to just say it. Like I had a blast with this remake, having basically zero memory of the original. But like, it's not good. <laughs> like it. Like the CGI is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. But, like, in a good way. <laughs> I I don't know. I just, I didn't realize this existed. I saw it scrolling through my own demand and went, oh, there's no way that's real. You know that feeling when you just realize there's a movie where <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Sorry. I got so excited. <laughs> you just look at the room, I was like, wait a second. Is that Colin Farrell as a vampire? And you just think, like, no, I just didn't surely, know about it? Yeah, surely like, someone's... My friends would have told me this existed if this was real, right? You guys, like, you guys mean the other Colin Farrell, right? Like, <laughs> Fake Colin Farrell? I just... I can't believe this is real, and I'm so happy that it is. I had a good time. Is it good? No. Should you watch it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, I realized this week that I have never seen Olympus Has Fallen. Oh, dude, me neither. Tell me. All right, so if I had to describe it in one line, I would watch 10 hours of Gerard Butler CQC in Korean dudes and just doing wrestling moves on them because he's trying to be stealthy. Oh, my wings get zero stealthy. hours of the rest of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of the plot is fucking dog shit. Um, it's just extreme, extreme America porn in a lot of places. I, like, honestly, it just feels like somebody watched a season of 24 and went, oh, well, what if we wrote a movie? Like, in so many ways. There are so many twists that, like, make no sense and have slight payoffs. Dylan McDermott is there as the bad guy who you know is the bad guy from the first scene because it's fucking Dylan McDermott. <laughs> and there's just nothing else that he could be playing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. President Aaron Eckhart? President Aaron Eckhart, correct. Oh, you love to see it, folks. Makes President Aaron Eckhart, vice president, I don't even remember who because he just gets fucking domed. And third in line for the presidency, an acting president, Morgan Freeman. Now, I want to talk about Morgan Freeman. My week is filling up, you guys. As I see the trailers for the third installment of this series, I can't help but notice that Morgan Freeman is president. 
<laughs> and Morgan Freeman in this movie is maybe the worst president in any piece of media I've ever seen. He's president for like an hour. And in that time, he basically manages to get Korea destroyed and almost loses the entire U.S. <laughs> nuclear arsenal. Oops. And Sasha you're people huh? voted for this guy? <laughs> listen, listen, you are as big of a Gerard Butler fan as I am. I correct. Thank you for this reminding some... me. Yes, you go ahead. I'll let you finish. <laughs> this has some great hand-to-hand combat, some pretty good shooting scenes, some very bad CGI every time they're outside the White House and there's, like, planes fall- flying around or the Washington Monument on fire or something like that. It just looks like a PS2 game in those oh, spots. God, I'm so excited. But then, like, Gerard Butler does a rock bottom on somebody and I'm like okay whatever I don't care thank you for reminding me because after all the trailers that we got you know everyone wants to all to do the thing hi I'm starring in this upcoming movie and you can see it here at this theater with our exclusive app except it was Gerard Butler in full Scottish accent and it was incredibly powerful the fucking idea of this like savior of America this America porn hero being the Scottish guy is pretty solid not gonna lie <laughs> Like, he's promoting Angel has Fallen and just talking in the most Samurai Jack-ass voice I've ever heard. It's so cool. Future episode. But guys, I have With his bad. dad, Nick Nolte. <laughs> I cannot wait, you guys. Yeah. Guys, I have some bad news because London has also fallen. Oh, we no. For it. So this one, really we, we've now swapped you. out Antoine Fuqua for some other guy. Oh. The the America porn is dialed up to 11. There is just, like, basically, like, marine marches and shit just playing in the background throughout the entire movie. Gerard Butler is even more of a loose cannon and loves his country even more. The terrorists are somehow even more incompetent. Morgan Freeman gets to be fake president again. <laughs> now, on one hand, he doesn't do as catastrophically awful of a job as he did in the first movie. On the other hand, this movie ends with him calling the terrorist bad guy on a sat phone, telling him to look out his window, and then a cruise missile hitting it. God damn it. God so Morgan Freeman is, is using the U.S. government's resources to taunt terrorists he's about to blow up. It he is... just... Our president kill camming the terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> what a Correct. powerful play. Man... I had so many plans for this week, but now it's just going to be Has Fallen movies and also Sadako versus Kayako. It is fucking stupid. It's not good. It is so much worse than the first one, which is truthfully fine. Like, White House Down is way better, but that's because it's President Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum just running around doing Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum things. Like, it's just going to be better by default. You can't do anything about that. But if you watch the first one, you have to watch the second one, and you're going to be real mad you watched the second one <laughs> I just went to White House Down and saw director Roland Emmerich and almost oh, threw my phone against the wall I swear to god my arm it fucking went back keeps happening I have a lot of White House movies to watch this week hey, stick to what you know you know like you, you make your most successful movie of all time about the White House just just go back to the well you know? my god this cast how have I not seen either of these what am I doing I, I don't know I figured at least one of these would be in your future. 
I mean, they've all been circulating in the list for a while. Oh, yeah. Uh, We're eventually going to exhaust the entire Gerard Butler catalog, probably on the future episode, Den of Thieves and Den of Thieves 2. I'm so excited to talk about Den of Thieves, you guys. Den of Thieves is so good. Watching him walk up to that crime scene, look at a dead body, then eat a donut off the ground is such powerful (laughs) Gerard Butler energy. (laughs) That movie's so good. All right, I watched one more thing right before we recorded. So, you guys know how I feel about Netflix. Actually, do I don't I think ever. I do. <laughs> First time listener? <laughs> how do you feel about Netflix? Not great. Oh. Oh, man, did you watch some original content? <laughs> I I watched... It's, it's good, we're on something the same else I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like Netflix I mean, either. I mean, I, I know that nobody here is pro-Netflix, it's fine. I, you know, I'm also not very pro-reviving things that were cool 20 years ago. Oh. I know this about you, Skip. But I sat down and watched the the Rocco revival special anyway. Oh. It was pretty good. Oh. I had the same opinion. It is is extremely meta, which is exactly what I wanted. Whereas, like, the entire episode is about them, like, trying to bring back the big heads. Because nostalgia in cartoons is the only thing that matters to anybody. And then Rocco getting real pissed off because it's slightly different. Because now there's a baby big head. It was pretty that's, good. That's not bad. And now I'm just thinking about <laughs> how funny it is that they have a next door neighbor named Ed Big Head. It's pretty good. <laughs> I was a real big fan of my friends photoshopping my face on the big heads for about six straight years of my life in high school. <laughs> it's fine. I don't, I don't know why, but I think, now I'm thinking back to the other Alex, which how she does a perfect impression of Rocco when he's a phone sex operator. <laughs> be hot, be naughty, be courteous. I should get a shirt with that. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's definitely one to keep in the reservoir for party tricks. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, you guys want to hear my Rocco <laughs> as a sex operator impression? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I like that show growing up, but I don't remember a whole lot about it. That's not one of the uh, yeah. cartoon shows that we quote a whole lot. Unlike that one Justice League bumper. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's the thing with Rocco is it's very much more an atmosphere show than it is like a lines show. Yeah, that's correct. Although, I did laugh very hard. Um, so, Ed Bighead is now the head of Conglomo. And uh, <laughs> he manages to, uh, like, when when the, the boys come back into town, like, he manages to have something fall on his calculator, which results in an accounting error, which makes the company think it's bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And him, upon finding out of this, goes, No, I'm too big to fail. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real. Okay, I'm Alex, glad you liked it, too. Yeah, Alex, <laughs> so, side conversation, just you and me. Parker, don't listen. How many songs are in it so we can assign it to Parker? Zero. Oh. However. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. <laughs> Damn. <Dang it. laughs> the, the internet is not going to be happy about this one. Oh, absolutely not. Why not? Why? People are red, mad, and nude about it. It's real oh. good. Wait, because they made Ralph Big Head trans. Who's Ralph? Oh, the the kid. The, I forgot. Yeah, that. the kid. Yeah. Also, I'm for it because if a trans person existing ruins something from your childhood, <laughs> get fucked forever. Which is like entirely the point of the episode. Like yes. they're making like it has a point. Like they yeah. it, they have this nice little 45 minute special. It has a point. Like, hey, you're a dickhead if this ruins anything for you. And also. Netflix gave us a lot of money, and we're going to make jokes about it. I'm going to be real. Ralph Bighead would have been my first pick on that show to be trans, and that says a lot considering the characters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. Like I'm in the similar boat where Skip, you know that my brain is just an endless fucking dumping ground of '90s cartoons. I have like no memory of Rocco whatsoever. 
I'm pretty sure I watched it. I remember absolutely nothing about it. And yet my life is a series of like Hey Arnold quotes. It's like the one Nicktoon I do not remember at all, except for the endless YouTube videos of like, can you believe they got away with this? Yeah. Like, that's all I remember from it. And yeah, I had a real good time with it. Yeah, yeah. I had a blast. I, I might get around to it. How long is it? Like 45 minutes. Oh, yeah, it's you're in it now. It's, yeah. it's real good. Yeah. All right, Parker, what you got for us? <sighs> hey, Chris. Yeah. You ever seen a horror movie before? Uh, yeah, once or twice. Oh, cool. Then you've seen The Curse of La Llorona. Because oh. it's every <laughs> horror movie that's ever existed ever. It is such an absolute nothing. It is 90 minutes, the credits roll, you turn it off, and you just shake that Etch-A-Sketch in your brain and it's fucking gone. The only memory I have of it was the trailer where the guy with a movie trailer voice would say, The Curse of La Llorona. And I would look at the word Llorona and I would immediately say, That's not how you say it. And I'd start drooling because I don't know Spanish. Ma, 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 Llorona. It's the most stock-ass ghost story movie I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of them. Next week's episode, like, the 1933 version with no English subtitles. It can't be worse. Like, <laughs> you see, it's just it'll be like, like me trying to watch Black Hat. Like if you are drunk and you have friends around, it's fine because it's a jump scare movie, and that's all it is. Yeah. You just talk during the talkie parts because none of it matters, and then you go, "Oh, that was scary," and then you talk again and drink. But I, did, I was not doing that. It was me and my girlfriend on the couch, and like 45 minutes in, we're like, "Man, fuck this movie." Because you realize... That's when you bring out the bowl. They've made like six of these Conjuring movies, and no main character ever dies. So you, at this point, it's like, okay, I know there's no stakes. None of these kids are going to die. So the ghost will show up and go, blah, and scare the kid. And then we'll just cut to the next scene. It's like, wait, they, she could have killed him right there. What's the point? Oh, never mind. It's the next day. I guess it doesn't matter. It's just... It sucks so bad. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> just such an... I mean... The fact that it came out, and me and my friends like, oh man, we should see that movie. When does it come out? And the answer was, two weeks ago. <laughs> I think we knew then and there, like, oh, I guess it sucks shit. Yeah. It's just... You hate ass- to see it. Just an absolute nothing of a movie. If I had not opened my letterbox, I would have forgotten to include it. Because it was... I watched it, went to bed, and it was gone. <laughs> now, Skip, you know I'm passionate about my Stephen King movies. Oh, of course. Oh, God. I have two additions to the canon. One is called Graveyard Shift, which is a 90-minute movie based on a short story. How do they pad it out, you ask? Well, you see, there's a textile mill up in, I'm assuming, Maine somewhere. They got all these rats in the basement. So whom do they call to exterminate all these rats? One Brad Dourif, a Vietnam veteran who just shows up, sees the new guys, and just starts describing being held by the Viet Cong and having people nailed down and having rats eat their insides. So Like, horrible. 15 minutes into the movie. It is the sweatiest movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, no. <laughs> Everyone is covered in dirt. I, if it's not 1990, it's right around there. Like, uh, this was starting to get... We were right at the beginning of hey, we're just going to keep adapting all these stories until they stop making money. We were at that point where we'd run out of books and we were just diving into all of the short stories from Night Shift. It was bad times. It was real bad times then. So, 
you know, you got all these rats, and they got to renovate the whole thing for reasons. Three and forlorn. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and they get to the basement, and there's more rats, and these rats are just fucking everywhere. What are we going to do? And then the floor breaks, and they get to the bottom layer, where they find the giant bat-rat hybrid that has been eating people <laughs> for like a hundred years. Does it have the royal icon? <laughs> I'm afraid it does not. The second build star of the movie, the female lead, does not have a Wikipedia page. So, not the best cast, but like fourth build is Brad Dourif for the two scenes he's in before he gets eaten by a giant monster. And then right beneath him is the dude from Wishmaster doing a main accent, which is incredibly good. Oh, man. I love is, that guy in Wishmaster so much. Is, he is. Just seeing that dude's face and hearing him say wicked pissed is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, I'll be honest. It's Dang. not good, but also, like, the entire climax is just a giant prosthetic bat monster eating people. So, like, you know, <laughs> like two and a half stars. Two and a half stars, not bad. Yeah. I followed that up with Cujo. Folks, can, can Cujo that? fucking sucks so bad. <laughs> It is so fucking hard. Hey, hey, cinnamon, cinnamon. He doesn't mean you. Hey, 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 hey. Look at me, look at me. The first 50-5-0 minutes are just soap opera melodrama. And if you look on the Wikipedia for, like, the plot summary, it's two paragraphs. <laughs> just 50 minutes of this... Well, yeah, they got this kid, but she's cheating on him with this guy, and this guy's doing this, and this guy's an ad exec for a cereal company, and holy fucking dog shit. And then 50 minutes in, the dog shows up. And then the movie just happens, as they're just trapped in the car, and they're like, oh, I can't get out, oh, I'm gonna try and get out, oh, the dog's still there, oh, man, the dog's not getting away, oh, okay, I killed the dog. Matt Parker, I believe I warned you about Cujo years ago. It hadn't been checked off, and it was streaming on Prime. <laughs> oh, what do you want from me, Chris? Off. That is Alex, are you accurate. learning about the lists? I unfortunately, yeah. I want to know nothing about these lists that and is. yet. <laughs> I mean, Stephen King movies will always be this weird sweet spot for me. It's like, okay, this is a big one. I haven't seen this before. Like, I might as well just knock it off while I'm rearranging all of this goddamn furniture. Yeah, Kuja, one of the big ones. I will admit that it's a good movie I to mean, do something else other than watch it. <laughs> correct. Except it was the middle of the night, and I had to keep stopping because that kid's cry. Oh, is God. one of the worst sounds I've ever heard in my entire yeah. life. Oh, like, viscerally upsetting, like, skin crawling, like, had to rush over and turn it down. One oh, of I the got, worst I sounds I guess we I've know what heard. the Pitbull decided. Yeah, I mean, he was... I stand with the Pitbull. Toes up, toes down. <laughs> it's cool Actually, if you like that you movie. you were the one being aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine if you like that, you know... Read that book growing up, have a sweet spot for it. That's fine. No one likes it. But it sucks, <laughs> and I hate it. The only thing I knew about Cujo going in was it's one of the books Stephen King has no memories of writing because he was so fucked up every <laughs> single day. He has zero memory of writing Cujo. That, which that makes does fit in the time a period. A lot right? of sense. It's right around maximum. Not good. Now. Look, I was going like, this is early on the releases. Like, all right, you know, because. First it was Carrie, then the Salem's Lot, which is whatever. Then he got The Shining, and then Creep Show, Dead Zones, Not Far After. It's like, it's pretty good stuff early on. Everyone knows what Cujo is. Like, people who've never seen it or read the book, you say Cujo, they know Big Dog. Clearly there must be some... Nope. Just a big pile of farts. Check it out. Real good. <laughs> so here's a movie I had no idea existed that was incredibly my shit. 
which is called The Hidden. So this movie just opens up with a dude rolling into a bank with a shotgun and just blowing people the fuck away. A big old chase ensues. Police set up a big old roadblock. He gets out, starts firing, and they just load into him. They blow the shit out of him, blow up the car, big explosion. He's somehow still alive, but he's in intensive care. Enter FBI agent Kyle McLaughlin. So I'm already, like, I'm in. We're like 15 minutes in. He rolls into town like, hey, I'm tracking this dude. Do you know where he is? And they're like, oh yeah, that guy just got blown the fuck up. He's in the hospital. He's probably going to die tonight. Cut to the hospital. That dude just wakes up suddenly, vomits out this giant alien thing into another patient's mouth. That patient gets up, goes out, and starts murdering people. That's 20 minutes into the movie. It is so good. If you want to watch Kyle MacLachlan hunt an alien, like, thing that takes over people's bodies and just commits nothing but murder, please watch The Hidden. I had no idea this movie existed until five minutes before I turned it on. Kyle MacLachlan said it. I'll tell you what, I might be in. It's so good. Chris, you're a religious man, aren't you? Vaguely. Now, you know a bit about the angel Gabriel, correct? Oh no. Not, not as much as I guess I should. <laughs> we oh, see no. the movie The Prophecy is a movie in which the angel Gabriel comes to earth to collect a soul which will end the stalemated war in heaven and only a former priest and a little girl can stop him. Also, the angel Gabriel is played by Christopher Walken and Vigo Mortensen <laughs> shows up in the last 20 minutes as Lucifer. So what I'm saying is The Prophecy is really good. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see Christopher Walken as a fallen archangel on earth trying to collect souls to win a battle in heaven boy do I have a movie does for he you. have a sword he does not but oh, all the angels on earth wear steel they, souls they all wear dusters I, I'm aware Chris I saw it I saw Suicide Squad it's been a powerful week of 90s movies for me you guys like sometimes you just get mad like how does no one tell me that the Fright Night remake exists? How does no one tell me there's a movie where Christopher Walken is an archangel collecting souls? You know, <laughs> a lot of lies and deceit on this episode. Oh, God, I forgot I watched this. Holy shit. <laughs> the last thing since you talked about Rocco, I watched American Psycho. Again? Two. Oh, sorry, God. Mila Kunis. No. <laughs> Y'all. This movie... It's about, see, we start with a little bit of a flashback where Patrick Bateman has a woman in his grasp, but it's Mila Kunis' babysitter, and she just stands up and picks up a knife and kills him, and now she's a serial killer. Oh. Isn't that cool? Yeah. The man, plot of this that's movie. That's not real. You made that up. Is mid to the early 2000s Mila Kunis in law school trying to murder off classmates so she can become the college's the college professor's assistant also that professor is William Shatner <laughs> what big shout out to Tubi.tv for existing and telling me this movie is real tell that me I can watch exactly it. what year this came out hold please well, well before I look it up I can round it up for you because there's a very funny scene where a teacher is looking for her cat Named Ricky Martin. Oh, so you well, can narrow really that down really. all you want, buddy. <sighs> <It's>... <laughs> 2002. Oh. You know, Ricky Martin, cool. famous in 2002 for all of his music. Right after Billing 7 went down. 
Oh, oh well. The soundtrack is nothing but alter- 90s alternative rock. It is. I might be back the in. Most, it is 90 minutes of the most Lisa Loeb ass shit you've ever <laughs> heard in your life. So you're saying it's better than American Psycho, right? What I'm saying is, if you go to the Wikipedia, you read that she signed on to the movie, and then American Psycho made money, so they made this a sequel afterwards. Very cool. Did not go to theaters, in case you were wondering. I'm shocked. (laughs) American Psycho 2. I had a lot of movies to paint furniture to this week. Painting furniture, good god. I mean, I didn't do the painting. Let me be clear. I was zero help. I was too busy watching Mila Kunis murder her college You, you were sitting on the furniture to make sure it didn't move anywhere while she was painting. Don't want to fuck up her brush. Three points of contact, honey. That's an OSHA violation. Also, I watched Half of the Relic. I cannot wait to watch the good half later when we stop recording. That's all I'm, I'm so excited. Okay, so this was directed by the same guy who made Troll Hunter. Parker, explain. It's foreign, so I've only seen half of it. Oh. <laughs> Do I need to see it? Like I've moused over it a couple times this uh, week. Keep hearing like, eh. decent. I've caught it. I've caught bits of it on cable, and I liked what I saw. The troll design was real good. The, the but also, I keep it in mind. Good. Yeah, I really like the autopsy of Jane Doe. That's a fun jump scare movie to watch with people. I'll keep that in mind. Okay, so we should probably talk about the books. Uh, the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was originally a trilogy of books that was released in the 80s and 90s. And uh, I've got really fond memories of those books. They're pretty good stories. Uh, they've got some obvious horror elements, but there's also like a very obvious like humorous tone to a lot of these stories. Uh, especially like the way they're told. There's little asides in there that are really funny. But the most uh, important thing, the thing that everyone remembers about these books, is they had these really, really creepy illustrations. You know, you can only look at them for like a couple seconds. You're like, oh, I have to turn the page. Let's see one more time. Ah, it's still scary. And uh, I, I remember reading those when I was a little kid, and I had like really, really good memories of that. Were you guys familiar with the books at all? I sure was. I had the one. I think it was the first volume that has the drawing of the girl with the fucked up, deformed face that everyone's posted for the last 20 years. Yep. I will never forget seeing that for the first time. Oh, I bet. Oh, some of those it's, are like, maybe sort of going to live with you for a long time. Like, I forgot the name of that book for a while before the internet cataloged everything that it could be mined for nostalgia. But I knew that picture. I couldn't tell you what it was from, but I knew it. Like, yeah. If I could draw, which I cannot, I could do that shit from memory. Yeah. It is seared deep in my body. Yeah, I, I don't know. I might get those books uh, since they've been recently re-released. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to spend that kind of money. Anyway, uh, the one of the things that attracted us to it is the producer is Guillermo del Toro, who's made uh, like a movie here or there. I don't know anything recent. Anyway, uh, I think Parker is like I a want to watch fan. the faculty again. <laughs> I would kiss him on the lips. Yeah. Big sweaty Mexican man. <laughs> Anyway. Just want to talk about monsters and Gundams of that man forever. Yeah. So, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is not really an anthology movie, which I kind of thought it would be because... I wish it was. Yeah, that's one of the problems as a framing story. I disagree. I, I kind of love what they did with it. Okay, like, we'll get into that. I, My very clear okay. disagreements with it. But uh, what they do is they have these uh, three teenagers in Pennsylvania. It's 1968. God, we're going to be reminded of that. And uh, they all like horror movies, I guess. And uh, it's okay. is it Halloween? one of them does. Well, one of them. The, uh, the other, the other two are just shit. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, and they uh, experience 
I guess five different. How do we? How do we want to split it? Five different monsters or five different scary stories. And there is a framing device that's all linked to uh, the Bellows family. Sarah Bellows is the final ghost. It's not really a spoiler because it's not interesting. And uh, it's kind of uh, it's it's kind of interesting how each monster is different. And one of the things that Guillermo del Toro said before this movie was that <laughs> it's a line in the movie too. We're not reading the book. The book is reading us. That doesn't actually happen in the movie. It's a real bad line. Yeah, that doesn't. It's it's very. Not it also good. Yeah. doesn't actually happen in the movie. There's only one part where the kid says, "Oh, I had a nightmare about this happening." That happens to him. Guess what? That doesn't happen with anyone else. So yeah, yeah there is there is a lot that is left unexplained by the way this movie chooses to just dispense its narrative. Yeah. But also, they're trying to link together a bunch of short children's stories with some overarching plot, so I was kind of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, most of them are like two or three pages in giant print. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. I remember that, yeah. Uh, So, also, like, how mad were you guys when you saw the word Wendigo come across your screen and then we didn't get to see a Yeti running around mauling people? Thanks again. Between (laughs) this and Pet Cemetery, I'm just having a normal one over here, getting not mad online about not seeing a Wendigo. Parker, I mean, Alex, don't don't spoil my ending to this <laughs> anyway <laughs> oh shit yeah. <laughs> never mind i got you now okay. <laughs> all right cut all that cut all that uh original content do not steal <laughs> okay so we'll start off uh at the beginning a very good place to begin uh the first one is about harold the scarecrow i've already put the clip at the beginning alex you don't Thank have you. to do it you, I... you can do it anyway come on look, let's go for it look I, I i actually wanted to talk about the fucking drive-in scene and the extreme outsiders vibes i got from oh, it go because for it. it made me really really happy to be in this movie yeah. also there was before. a scene of people disrupting a movie while my movie was being disrupted by people <laughs> so it was very meta and i, I want to talk that. about the scene before Maybe that the where they throw good. all the eggs at the car and then he yells here comes the poo to tot and then throw the plane bag of dog <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It was an immediate three and a half stars. Like I no matter the rest Holy of the movie shit. could have been terrible, but it's real good. Was that was the, the little shitty kid who kept trying to be funny, right? Yes, he yelled that as he threw flaming dog shit. Oh, if I had heard that, I would have said that's the best line of the movie. Unfortunately, it's all his other lines kind of suck. So, so the only other line I laughed at was "Ow, my banana." <laughs> Look, he's not funny, but also like. There's no world in which that character in real life would be funny. Yeah. So again, I, mean, it, I was it's, fine. It's realistic. It's fine. I like it, it makes sense yeah. that they're all friends with each other and no one else. Yeah. Because yeah. I was Correct. exactly that kid, including being a humongous pussy and wanting to leave immediately. <laughs> I saw a lot of myself in it. I will admit, like, spending all of my time trying to scare other people so I wouldn't be scared is something that resonates with me. Yes. It does remind me, like, so they're they're watching Night of the Living Dead. I think one of the things I liked about is they show one of the scariest scenes from Night of the Living Dead, which is a really, really scary, like, skeleton face with, like, an eye still in there. Like, that's the sort of image that you would see in scary stories to tell in the dark. So the movie, for the most part, knows, like, the the kind of groove that the books are working on, you know? And, uh, I don't know, like, some of the characters mostly work. I like the, I like the the girl in there. Who's who's the main girl? What's her name? Stella, I guess? Stella. Yeah, Stella, she just seemed like a, kind of a normal looking girl she's not like overly dolled up like a whole lot of other i'm comparing this to transformers 5 remember how much i hated that female character because i don't want to talk about that character because it was a lot this is like a normal girl i i kind of have like a problem with the way that hollywood portrays females but uh it's probably not that bad anyway uh thank god chris is woke yeah i'm very woke anyway uh 
Sorry, that got me for a second. I heard that. <laughs> Fuck you. I... <laughs> yeah, anyway. Right, are we ready to talk about the Scarecrow, the first one? Or is there anything else we want to... Because we can get into it. Actually, the movie does kind of take its time setting up its characters. And I feel like they could have made it like a little bit faster. You know? I... So, for the most part, I agree. But I love the atmosphere of this movie so much. Like, I think the... Let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. Somebody asked me after I saw it, you know, as you come out of any ostensibly horror movie, thriller, whatever you want to call it, Parker. (gasps) What? um, (laughs) Like, they're always going to ask you, like, (laughs) was it scary? And my response was, no, of course it wasn't. But it nailed the mood of a scary movie so well that, like, it didn't have to be scary. That wasn't the point. I just... I'm in on fall. I'm in on using the period between Halloween and Election Day as the time frame for your movie because somehow I feel like I've never seen that before, even though it's so fucking obvious. Yeah. Like, they're a week apart. It's It makes so much sense to frame a movie around those two things. I love watching dudes walk around in Letterman jackets. I love when they oh, ask oh. that guy if he has a fucking switchblade. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, this just... movie serves a very real purpose of being like, not goosebumps or are you afraid of the dark but also not like real adult shit like the shining or something that would just ruin your life like this is very much a hey this is your next step you watch this and as that movie that's like a fucking a plus like there are at least a dozen scenes where if i watched this when i was 12 would have fucked my life up significantly See, I, I wonder i, I kind of hope that this movie would be good for kids and i think it'd be sort of a specific age like maybe 12 to 16 i guess this is going to crush every fucking... Cause, man, by the way, anyone who wanted this movie to be rated R, oh, congratulations on. on missing the point of this yeah. entirely. Yeah. This is going to crush between like preteens and teenagers for the next like five years. I, yeah, it's, I really hope that this is like the one that everyone... Perfect. Well, I guess you don't rent movies anyway. But uh, when it goes out on streaming, I hope this is the one that everyone's like, yo, you gotta see this. Like, I... I, don't, I wouldn't say I was scared. Like, I was not like... Because I saw it late. I was not nervous driving home at night. But also, I just wanted to watch it again, like, immediately. It's just, you are exactly right. The whole vibe I was in before a single jump scare or monster or anything, I was like, yeah, just give me, like, four hours of this. Put it in my veins. There were a couple scenes that almost got me, and those are the ones I, I really do want to talk about. And I think now would be a good time to start talking about Harold. Harold is the scarecrow. You see him on the poster. And uh, the Scarecrow itself isn't scary. Uh, I do kind of like the fact that he doesn't have a middle and he's still walking around because, I, I don't know, it's how can he walk around? He doesn't have a middle. But uh, he's getting you know his ass kicked by the one bully in a Letterman jacket and he's stalking him through the cornfield and he stabs him with a pitchfork. We actually see like the, the tines of the fork go through his body. And the first thing that comes to my mind is like, oh, that's a bit much for PG-13. And then I start thinking oh, he just kills him with it? That's kind of lame. That's not really cool. No, there's no blood. It's somehow the straw is like a thousand times worse because I completely so forgot about worse. that. I completely it... forgot about how that story goes. And to see, that, Same. to see that straw coming out of his stomach and his mouth and his nose and ears and stuff, I I completely forgot about it. And that, the fact that you don't expect it, you don't see it coming, that's what makes it scary. And it really, really works. So I like that one a lot. I think that may have been my favorite part of the entire movie. Because the framing... You're, you're made of straw! <laughs> and the sound, too. The sound really helps. Because <laughs> the framing is him, like, stumbling out after being stabbed. And he's, like, making these gagging sounds. He's like, well, this is pretty graphic. Am I going to watch this teenager just, like, vomit up blood? 
oh no oh jeez yeah and he just keeps seeing it coming out of like his eyes and ears like you know what this movie's pretty fucking good yeah <laughs> this movie nailed it from oh, fuck the first act like oh you got the tone right you got to the first story crush it did you say tone it's... or toe yes okay so we can move on to the next one <laughs> feet <laughs> so the next one is the big toe one which i think everyone remembers that one that one i believe is the one with a girl with a creepy fucked up face that everyone remembers and it's also it's a story that's just kind of funny as it is you know it's just some woman's out tilling her card she finds a toter garden right off the bat i got some questions then she says i'm going to put it in some stew 20 more questions and uh then uh, the woman comes uh searching for her tone actually only one more question off that but uh seeing the guy actually eat the toes like that you know teenagers right there because you know you're getting everyone to go Ew. yeah which is which is fun you know watch he slowly spits out the whole t- like the crunch and you yeah. know he bit on the nail it's so, oh my god the full the full like, work is so good like and it's so good that like they chose stories for this that are like inherently childish in a way yeah. And then framed them around, you know, this character writing the stories who had this stunted growth. And, of course, would be writing these child stories. Like, it all just, like, works together. I I have very strong feelings about this movie, if you can't okay. tell. Like, yeah, I, uh, anyway, I, 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 one of my other favorite parts about that scene, the big toe scene, is it, it takes its climax, like, really, really long. It's a really long climax. So it's just, like, he's looking around for it. And you know what's coming. And if they hadn't had it at all, I would have been really disappointed. But uh, they, they have you like, where's it coming? Where's it coming? Where's it coming? And then for a split second, you see her face in the dark. That is the exact point of those books, is just seeing that face and being too scared to look. Now, the only problem with this, and I don't know, maybe it was my theater or something, but whoever mixed the audio mixed it way too loud. It's actually kind of obnoxiously loud. Uh, at least for me it was, especially towards the end. Good God. But... That just that visual, seeing her face in the darkness was perfect. That is exactly what I was looking for, and it was my other favorite part of the movie. Like that scene where he's hiding under the bed. If I watched that, say, as like a, I'll say ten or eleven year old, and that was on TV, mm-hmm. I would have had to turn the channel. It would have been yeah, too much yeah, for me. It would have. Yeah. I yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Even like almost thirty in that theater, I'm like. We just get to the fucking jump scares. This is going on for a while, you guys. Let's just fuck. I'm having a good time. That's fine. I'm not startled. So, I'm an adult. Just, I'm I'm older than thirteen. Just a frame of reference. That was the one that I thought about as I got into bed and uh, and closed my eyes. So that's the one that I. We're just seeing just seeing the face from that story mm-hmm. that has haunted me for twenty years appear and then pull him into the bed is like, huh? That's like. For my childhood fears just on the screen in front of me in a yep. dark room cool beans okay so the next one is the red spot uh which <laughs> man that is oh, very 50 50 for me uh and I'll hey guys it. guess whose girlfriend's deathly afraid of spiders it's Uh-oh. this guy <laughs> <laughs> i i probably i probably would have enjoyed this part a lot more if it wasn't in the trailer uh yeah True. probably i actually didn't see this in the that was a real buzzkill like I seeing the trailer and just knowing the first hour of the movie was a little disappointing, yeah. but so I feel like I'm lucky because I've gotten the it trailer with every movie for the past six months. Mm-hmm. Outside of like the Super Bowl TV spot, I haven't seen a trailer for this since. Which God bless. Yeah, same thing for me. Actually. I've seen it. I saw it for Crawl. Um, I've seen it a couple times, but yeah. So the red spot is uh, the spider bite one. Anyway, the 
the older sister goes to the bathroom and she's got this red. It keeps growing bigger and bigger, and it's it's like bulls and stuff like that. And the build up is so good. I really really like that build up, and you can just feel. It. And again, it's another one of those more moments. But uh, I have to admit, the payoff did not get me at all. When the spiders come out of that red yeah. spot, it, they just looked faker than they did in Crawl. And that's yeah. Not a CG good was really bad in that scene. Yeah. I could forgive in other scenes because in most of the scenes, like they've been pretty clear there was a person doing it and then they touched it up to make it look spookier I, I honestly but that scene just does not work i think the only thing that could have improved is if it had been like slightly gorier or something like if her head had split open yeah. or something but you can't do that in but also but also i was thinking like the how do you get a mannequin head that doesn't look comical and then have spiders like real spiders pour yeah on it? I, I get it but also maybe she's a different one yeah. but also if i was 13 in that theater yeah. I have to keep putting myself in the mindset of like, dude, if I was in a room full of people, if I was in this imaginary scenario invited to a party in my teenage years, which I was not, it still would have brought the house down. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a good oh, point. Yeah. That shit's yeah. fucking gross. You, you like, know what? Maybe, like, maybe we're jaded. Maybe we've, we're desensitized in a way. Maybe we've seen stuff that's way scarier than this. And maybe, like, a theater full of teenagers would have thought yeah. it's, like, a lot scarier. I don't know. Like, and I know I'm going to repeat myself, but if this movie came out when I was, like, 13 or 14. It would be imprinted in my memory for the rest of my I life. I think that's high praise for whatever this 100%. movie was trying to do. Uh, anyway, uh, all Ruthie is taken to the hospital. Telling statement. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up is, I think, my least favorite scene in the movie. Um, the pale lady. It's just that really, really fat lady in the red room where they got the sirens going up. Now, the sirens for me work. I don't know why, but like the sirens is just like... I, I, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of... Check your bingo cards, Silent Hill. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> but, like, they... I have some stuff to say about this scene. Go okay. Ahead. I couldn't stand it, mostly because it's like, the kid's just running around, and he's constantly seeing her, and it just seems to repeat itself for much of it, and then she gives him a hug, and then he gets subsumed into her body. And it just felt like really lame payoff with really lame uh, setup. I, I could not get into it. And the thing is, like, the, the face... They really nailed the face because that's what the face looks like in the book, and it's it's so much creepier in the book. But in the movie, you can almost see a little too much. It looked like one of the Pokemon from Pokemon the Detective Pikachu, and when you can see her feet, it's also a lot <laughs> less scary. I don't know. I could not get into this scene. Alex, tell me about it. So I was into this scene well, well, well before any of the spooky shit started. When they get to Penhurst, Chris, are you familiar with Penhurst? I know you spent some time in Central Pennsylvania. I I am not familiar with Penhurst. Okay, so. This is going to be a tangent for me and only me, and you're just going to have to deal with it. Oh, all right. Um, as somebody that has spent a good chunk of my life into urban exploring and, like, going to, like, spooky abandoned places, like that haunted house in the beginning, mm-hmm. Penhurst was the fucking holy grail. Like, it is, it is exactly, like, the weird, like, mental hospital that it is portrayed in this movie. It is, like, the one that, like, everyone, you know, everyone that went, it was, like, the most well-preserved, like, only, like, the coolest fucking people ever got in there to take pictures or anything before they turned it into a tourist mm-hmm. trap. Um, that when they're, uh, when they're going to the records room and they're walking on that hallway and there's that picture of that empty wheelchair, not picture, but there's, like, an empty wheelchair in the front of the frame, that is, like, a duplication of one of, like, the most famous pictures taken at that place. Like, when I saw the name Penhurst on the side of the building, I got giddy. Because, like, it's a place that I know so much about, and I it was, like, the one place that I was never able to go, despite being so close to it, because I just wasn't old enough. And 
everything of them just running around in this old hospital that I know something about that like the fact that they chose to use a real place like I know that nobody else is going to get that from this movie and that's fine but for me it just like that was the point at where I, where I went from just liking this movie to really loving it because this movie felt well researched and really lived in in a way that you don't get from movies like this made for teenagers like no teenager that sees this movie is going to go oh I'm going to google this Penhurst place and if they did, by the way, they'd see it's now like a haunted asylum attraction, which is actually kind of dope. Yeah. Ooh, meet up. Well, we're going next year. Uh, it I is, can safely say I did not know that about Penhurst, and that is a really nice little extra nugget to the movie. I like I I loved it, and it was again like, what's the crossover appeal for people that would know about that that are seeing this movie? I just it just felt really special to me. I don't know. I like the scene. Okay, so. It starts with they get split up because he doesn't want to go in the red room. When they're listening to the tape recording, I've seen a horror movie. I'm like, okay, they're going to listen. It's going to be quiet. And then it's going to be like a scream on there. And then instead, she just starts narrating what's happening now. I was like, fuck, that's a really good twist. That is, It was solid. And I, then was, were, I didn't see it coming. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah really? I, I thought I knew where it was going. Chris, I've seen a hundred <laughs> movies where they listen to a quiet recording on like a shitty little 8-track. And then, like, a weird loud scream happens and all the lights go out. It's trash. That's what I thought was happening. I I can safely say, you guys know how dumb I am. I I kind of immediately saw that coming. I I think it couldn't have been any more obvious. But maybe that's that's kind of like the the feeling. As soon as I saw the stories were writing themselves, I'm like, oh, someone else is doing this. And I did love the reveal of him not wanting to be in the red room. And then the alarm going off. It's like, all right, well, they're all red rooms. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And what got yeah, me most really about this scene was two things. First of all, so that that creepy face that you talked yeah. about. I remember back in ye olden days of the internet, where people would... You know, this was past everyone knew not to click on screamers. But where you could make something a GIF. But when you hovered over it, it would say it was a JPEG. So someone would post a picture of that face from the book. And after about, you know, five, six seconds, the face would move. And I remember where <laughs> I was sitting the first time I stumbled across that. And my whole body went cold because I thought I was about to die. <laughs> and also remind me, when I was a little kid, I watched an episode of The Outer Limits back when we had premium cable. And I was like, oh, yo, there's, the Outer Limits. there's a sex scene in this episode. This girl's naked. Holy shit. And I was like, I might have to watch this. like, you know, like looking around like, dude, there's boobs on my TV. Check it out. And they're doing it. And then she absorbs the dude into his body. And it fucked me up for like a year. So I got to see once again multiple lifelong fears of mine that I haven't thought about in many years play out in front of me on the screen. Okay, evidently the scene worked a lot better for you guys than it did for me. Uh, Now, speaking of the Red Room, I actually want to mention this really quickly. Um, Towards the beginning, when they're in the haunted house, uh, which reminded me a little bit of chapter one in a good way, uh, when that kid's in the closet and he barely opens up the door and he can see that Red Room and that old woman sitting there, to me it wasn't the woman sitting there, it was the dog. The dog is what got me, because I was just like, as soon as that dog makes eye contact with you, you know it's coming over and tear your throat. No, no, not you. Uh, But, uh... (laughs) Heel. (laughs) No, no, my heel, not the child's heel. Anyway, uh, yeah, I I actually really like that scene, and I kind of thought they were going to bring it back a little bit stronger than they did, but what they did was basically enough. Uh, I guess we can move on to the next story. Uh, Mitai Doughty. Man, thank you for... Sorry, Sorry, I just forgot. Like, it just opens that closet door, 
and you see that room in color you're like what the fuck is going it's yeah. and what a perfect scene yeah. this movie's so good it was, you guys it was a really good anyone scene. who did like it is wrong objectively I'm sorry <laughs> I don't make the rules this movie's real good I <laughs> We'll move on to, uh, I, again, I have a few more criticisms as we move on. I, I kind of like the first half a little bit more than the second half, but uh, well, oh, let's yeah. move on to Me Tai Doughty Walker. It, it has problems. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Okay, so let's move on to Me Tai Doughty Walker. Now, this is another one where, okay, so we've talked a lot about uh, rebooting nostalgia and taking advantage of that, and people, entertainment companies have been doing this for years, all right? They, they will continue to take advantage of us. Eventually, 70 years from now, someone's going to bring back Old Town Road or something like that. Who knows? But uh, anyway, Me Tai Doughty Walker. <laughs> Try seven. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, Me Tai Doughty Walker really worked on me because I remember those exact words from the story. And I don't remember what the context was, but I remember those words. And I kept remembering thinking, it was like, it's so mysterious. I want to figure out what it means. Anyway, uh, turns out this, uh, it's just some zombie guy who can not disintegrate, but he could like, he could like chop up all his body pieces to like move around. He's Mr. Potato yeah, Head. Yeah, Mr. Yes. Potato Head. So <laughs> they're, they're stuck in jail for Ramon being a draft dodger. And the girl is arrested for being a friend of a Mexican a draft dodger. And uh, they're locked up in there. It's <laughs> true crime. Yeah. Yeah, we, no, we just breeze past the numerous racial yeah. slurs in this Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a should, lot. Should we talk about the racial slurs? I mean... Considering what this podcast, uh, is. I would prefer not to. Uh, if you set your movie in the '60s, I'm just that, that's the thing. It. Is yeah. like you'd be I, lying if you didn't have them in there. So we correct. have to have them anyway. I, I, that cop's just looked at him like, "Huh, still here, huh?" I'm like, "Oh fuck, oh, good." Mm-hmm. Oh, I've seen this play it was, out. It was very, very. Uh, I was very, very happy that they didn't have him look at the camera and say, "Wish he'd go back to his own country." Or something. Goddamn yeah. deplorable draft dodgers. <laughs> what a nasty woman. Anyway, uh, so they got locked up. Now, I have to admit, when the dog is growling at the chimney, I kind of thought that the reveal was the dog was going to be the same dog from the Red Room. Wouldn't that have been cool? I they was, didn't do that. I was hoping. Yeah, they didn't do it. <laughs> I was hoping we got to see that good boy tear somebody's throat out. <laughs> Instead, the, for violating the he NAP. He would have gone right after that little girl. <laughs> anyway, when that head rolls down there and looks up at the guy's just die downy walker the guy has the exact same reaction i would have if i was in a situation what the shit pulls out his pistol and unloads a clip into it like it's a bear very good i was very happy with that reaction yeah so i was torn on the scene because like i kind of liked the way it played out but also i thought the cop still being there in this story where a ghost is hunting down kids that found her book and the cop then getting murked by the, the the monster guy kind of took me out of the ethos of the movie like it like skip you know i am passionate about cops getting domed in movies <laughs> but I, it's i think that scene is like so much more effective he's like all right fuck off kids and just leaves and then shit yeah that would have made a lot more sense for it like then, then it would have added in a, a sense of you can't trust the uh, i mean you already have that sense in here but you know what? I have to admit, I didn't even like the monster design that much. Like, I like the fact that he can Mr. Potato him, Mr. Potato Head himself out of bad situations, but didn't really scare me that much. Kind of remind me of like one of the things from put another chip on top of it, Silent Hill. But uh, it's, I, it didn't really work as well as I would have liked. So here's a, a really important scene for me. That zombie guy is smashed up between a car and a truck. He's just kind of stuck there going, what's going on here? He can't get out of it. And then he just sort of like, he just sort of like 
falls out of there and he falls apart and puts himself back together. Now that's cool. I really like that. I wish they had used it a lot more. And then he builds himself together. He just screams into the camera and it's really loud and obnoxious. And I didn't like that yeah, at all. Yeah, that was. It's, it's very cool and very Del Toro. And also, I was kind of done with the scene. By yeah, then. that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't expect him to come back to the house with him. I was like, okay, we got this. Yeah. But also, the first thing I think started walking on all fours. I was like, go fuck yourself and fuck this. Fuck this right in the face. Yeah. I don't like the way it's moving. I don't like his cracky bone sounds. I do not like it. You have to admit that it didn't really work on me. I wasn't really that scared by him. Yeah, uh, it didn't work on me either. But also, he just looked like Gollum. Yeah. To me, so except he was walking stupid. I, <laughs> like I the think people this, the fu- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that scene was saved for me solely by the sound effects. Like every they were very good. It's, That's yeah. It was like you said. It was very loud in that theater, and every time it moved, just such creaky, crunching sounds were. Like, on the one hand, I hated all the the screaming monsters, but on the other hand, I will totally defend the sound design for that straw scene, because holy shit, that's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Anyway, before we get on to the Cerebello scene, which is the end of the movie, I really want to talk about Richard Nixon, because, oh my god, I I get it. Alright, call your dad. (laughs) Uh, My dad has several takes about Richard Nixon, they're exactly what you think. Uh, this movie hates Richard Nixon so much. I had I actually said the words out loud in the Alamo, and they almost kicked me out. Jesus fucking Christ! When that woman says "tricky dick," that's no name for a president. Puts her hands on her hips, looks at the screen. <laughs> oh man, that whole aside that that scene could have been cut. This I didn't realize this movie was an hour fifty. You could cut that I scene. Get, we could be out oh, in an hour 45. Yeah. I guess I understand why they said it during the 60s, because I know how much Alex likes hippies. But uh, it's also like you don't want them to have like Fuck smartphones hippies. or anything like that, because they could just call someone like, hey, can you get us out of here? And then the car comes by. Uh, like, I, I, I guess I understand it. But And the other thing is I do kind of like the idea be, it's between Halloween and Election Day. I, I get it. I kind of like it. But... I get you that you don't like Nixon. He's not the main villain here. He's not the one who's responsible for all this bad stuff happening. I don't like him either, all right? I'm not going to jump to his defense. But... I mean, he kind of is. The whole movie happens because that guy dodged the draft. That's, so. uh, that's, yeah, that's... <laughs> if you really want to think about it, yeah, then it is you can, no, you can blame LBJ for it then, but uh, let's not get too much into that. Regardless, Nixon constantly is like, if she had Bad people said, on both sides, got it, Chris. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It, <laughs> the, right after she said that it was just like, tricky dick's no name for a president, then she looked at the camera and she's just like, could be worse. They could elect a Cheeto, man. Uh, and then we go on to the next scene. <laughs> and then there's a pink <laughs> No, no. God, I have to cut that again. Anyway. <laughs> now I'm just thinking about like the whole opening of this movie is them hiding that dude's card. Like, oh, thanks. Those bullies almost murdered you after calling you a racial slur. You want to go see his haunted house where a bunch of kids died? And he's like, fuck yeah, I do. So I actually, mean... that guy's incredibly cool. And he should be the hero. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to what he does later on. Uh, anyway, they decide to go to the house. Oh, we return the book, which I'm pretty sure is the plot of three different episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And... Oh, man. Like, sorry to cut you off again, but I do like... But that just brought up, like, the first person dies, immediately return the book. We do not spend 30 minutes with, oh, my God, well, how is this happening? It's like someone... Did... 
like the Harold thing up, she's like, "Nope, fuck this." Tries to get rid of it immediately. Yeah. It's like, you know what? Thank you, movie. So interesting thing about that is it, it sort of reminded me of the opposite of a movie like Truth or Dare, where it's just like, "Huh, is this actually <laughs> working? Hmm, we should test." I forgot our you watched Truth or Dare. <laughs> It's like Harold happens. No, fuck this. I'll put yeah, it back. No, the book shows back up. Immediately try and burn it. It's like you know what? Thank you, movie. Yeah. Thank you. Even though this is made for like for teenagers, you know, treat me like I'm an adult who's seen a movie before. I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know the other thing. I also again before we get to the climax, which is hardly worth us saving our time for. There will be no spoiler warnings here. Uh, I like the relationship between the daughter and her dad because in any other movie yes. they would have portrayed the dad as like. An abusive alcoholic or something. Exactly. Yeah. Thank and you. I'm yes. so glad they did that. That was exactly that. what I thought. I'm I like, oh, her dad's just this this cool, sad guy that works a lot and falls asleep in front of the TV and doesn't diddle anyone. Like, thank fucking yeah, God. Yeah, so Parker... You're... This movie did not need that. <laughs> that phone call. I felt a lot of feelings in that phone call. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. It really worked for me for, again, like, compare this to exactly what it was in chapter one, which... Okay, fine. It makes sense why it's in there, but again, every other movie would. Yeah, because Stephen King yeah, wrote exactly. it. Exactly, but uh, again, every other horror movie would have done it. And for this one, it's just like, it's not so much that she has a fear of her father, and she obviously doesn't, because every honestly, that would have been like kind of a low hanging fruit. Be like, oh, a big scary father guy or something like that. Instead, she just feels lonely, and that actually ties in with Sarah Bellows. She feels lonely and isolated, even though she has her two friends, the only friends that she has. And I guess Ramon now. Hey, what's up? But that lack of a mother figure really hurts her in a way. And she feels, in a sense, betrayed. And she feels like she's the one who's at fault. And I thought that was actually a pretty good connection. I don't have a joke about that. So she goes to the house. (laughs) They go to the house to return the book. And... I thought this was a pretty interesting scene because uh, it feels like uh, there's a little bit of temporal displacement and she's back in time in the 1890s and the Trump family, I mean, a generic white family uh, decides to that she's Sarah Bells and they throw her into the basement and it, it felt like she was given a really good performance. So who's the name? Zoe Coletti. I don't know yeah, what that well, is. Sounds like a fucking Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have a Wikipedia page either, so... Yeah. There was definitely a moment where I was like, you're not going to try and tell me that she's just her, and this is like some weird ghost shit, because yeah. I'm yeah. not having it. I was worried for a second. Yeah. It was a real way in, like, you better stick this landing yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, right away said, it's just like, I thought they were going to do something that's like, oh, she's actually her great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter, you know, she's somehow had a baby. Uh, but no, no, th- thankfully they don't do something that stupid. And instead, they do the Robin Williams, it's not your fault scene, and Sarah Bellows yells really loud. <laughs> she and... defeats that ghost with facts Did and you logic. say feats? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too, honey. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> anyway, uh, she says, okay, okay, fine. Tell you what, I'll write a story for you. And then she sends like a Rorschach package to the uh, people. Uh, to the newspaper company and they publish her story and she gets really famous <laughs> and Ramon decides that he will do his patriotic duty and decides to go over to Nam uh, Dude, the happy country. ending being and then he went to Vietnam <laughs> to die was a real like yeah. hang on a second I know neither the director nor Guillermo del Toro from America but but come on man look you researched a lot of as other stuff as soon as you said he was a draft dodger I... Like, I don't need a personality that's cool enough as it is 
<laughs> this movie was like solid like eight eight and a half territory for me up until the entire like haunted house thing is resolved and then the last like three minutes of the movie happens and i just was so angry yeah. it is the dumbest most harry potter epilogue ask oh it is you can ask for fucking any it's so bad i thought it was really lame like, but he started he pulled out a little american flag that she stitched for him and then it showed a picture of nixon smiling and giving a thumbs up Anyway, uh, <laughs> even dumber than that was they pull the uh, they pull Ruth out of the nut house, and they drive around her and her father, and they say, "Well, we know that our friends are out there, and I guess you'll just have to see us next time for the sequel." They just drive away. That is the dumbest. But fucking also, thing. <laughs> th- thank I... you. First of all, thank you, movie. I will give you credit for putting the sequel tease in the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like thank you. I could not believe that like when they came out of the house her friends weren't there like oh man we were in the craziest place i could not believe they stayed quote unquote dead granted they'll come back in the sequel but i for sure thought it was gonna be some oh and everyone's back and oh man the mean jock is back and it's nice and and no they're just gone there and you were there No, those people are all just off in some awful monster purgatory until... Except the cop, who is dead as shit. (laughs) He got fucking owned. And Murph Stimbleton's wife, too. Actually, I wonder if the the bully, that jock bully with the Letterman jacket, you think he'll come back, too? (laughs) They're just going to leave him up as a... He's a scarecrow now. He's going to leave him up as a scarecrow. He's a scarecrow going to school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Harold's wandering around. You can tell me write these notes. I don't have any hands. My name is Landfield, too. Can someone (laughs) someone write my name for me? Hey, where's your middle section? Oh, I'm just really lightweight. <laughs> oh, Scarecrow too. You're so much better. Than yeah. <laughs> Yo, if my mom told me to deliver eggs in a cornfield in the dead of night, I would be like, <laughs> "It's the middle of the night on Halloween, and you're drunk. Can you take these eggs to the neighbor?" <laughs> I would be like, "Are you drunk? So what? Go deliver these eggs now." Yep, yeah. just walks inside. Like, I, I would be like, no. "Yeah, I will get right on it." Then I would sleep in my truck with the with the doors locked. <laughs> also, that cornfield scene again. If I'm a child, I am having a rough evening that night. The pooting. I will not be able to look out the window for many moons. <laughs> Uh, so overall, I think you guys liked it a little bit more than I did, but I also don't think it was a bad movie. There are several things that Alex, like you said, the atmosphere is wonderfully well done. I think they, for the most part, get what Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was all about, which is not just the creepy faces, but it's also like having a little bit of a sense of humor, but also like telling these stories in a way that will engage younger people. Correct. And doing, some, and doing something <laughs> original. Like, it nails the tone a thousand percent. There will always be nostalgic cash-ins, but this truly feels like someone who wanted to hit it a hundred percent. Not just, hey, you guys remember this? You guys remember Goosebumps? We're going to make a Goosebumps. You guys remember Are You Afraid of the Dark? No, this is something that's important to a lot of people that they absolutely got the tone of. Like, I was sitting there just like a pig and shit watching it. <laughs> I was so happy. I was a happy little piggy. Yeah. <laughs> but also I will say I wish it had been an anthology because we would have been in and out like 90 I minutes wonder, what if it, 95 tops would like a, uh, a younger audience have had the patience for an anthology I think maybe they would have liked the absolutely over- yeah, I think they would have appreciated the overarching story I'm not saying that like also this this movie's not long like it doesn't feel that's long. a yeah it's... that's a good point is like we I said the run it feels longer near the end because the last two I think all the good stuff's mostly in the first half. It's only, it's only yeah. an hour 48, and honestly, it just feels like the movie is appropriate for its length, but that being said, there's still scenes that 
I would have cut probably more towards the Oh the yeah, you, you could edit yeah. this better, but it's it's not a uh, great I can I can safely like, say there are a number of scenes that I just straight up missed, like during the red spot scene when everyone is looking at the girl freaking out because of the spiders. Uh Stella says, "I saw her. I saw Sarah Bellows there." I'm like, "Good for you. I didn't see her." I, I completely oh, missed I it. I felt <laughs> stupid. It's just a shadow on the wall. You oh, that doesn't yeah. count. Correct. Bullshit. I, I, I don't like this movie anymore. Anyway. Uh, if there had been a silhouette of a girl in the background of that scene, I would have pointed a scream and shrieked like body snatchers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd have an Alex moment. Look, I can see it. <laughs> Look, that's Chappie. <laughs> you guys think that's the real ghost? <laughs> Is that a real dog? <laughs> No, I mean, no, I've no. always been an anthology piggy, so that's the hill I will die on. Not that I did not like this. Like, yeah. I had a great time. Well, we'll get, what Guillermo del Toro said is that an anthology is is never as good as its best story and always as bad as its worst story. But He's not but wrong. unfortunately here, it's like, it's very slightly above its worst story, which for me was the pale lady. I don't know about you guys. Actually, if you want to count Sarah Bellows as a ghost, I guess she's the worst because all she does is yell at you. Yeah. Like, the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, I, it wasn't bad, but it was like, Okay, well, I, this is at the end of the day. This is for a younger audience. So you have to wrap it up, and you know, yeah, you don't. They were horrible people, but you're not them. You got to be better and fix everything. Like, okay, I get it. It's, this is more for kids. This is not going to end with actually fuck you. This girl's going to die right here, and everyone's miserable. Like, yeah. That's fine. So that, it's not for me, but it's that fine. reminds me. One of the uh, parts of the Alamo pre-show was uh, a trailer for Goosebumps, the TV show, and guess which episode they talked about. Oh God. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you're never gonna escape it. Um, which that's yeah. Correct. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's it's another <laughs> one where, uh, like I said, yeah, it's mostly good for kids. Anyway, let's. One of the nice things about it is I don't know if you guys stayed for the post credit scene, but <clears throat> as it turns out, there's a very brief story. <laughs> we can see as you know the train passes overhead, we can barely see a shadow move in the trees. Could that be Squatch? We'll have to figure it out in the next two years. <laughs> Notebooks opening. It's just Stella is running. Squash is close behind her. Dick firm in hand. Like, oh jeez. And that's the tea, sis. <laughs> I'm so happy I didn't have to say that every time they wrote, they said Maria Bellows in my head, I just said, I'm Brian Fellows, because my brain is putting. <laughs>